Hello, everybody. Ella J here on behalf of WrestleZone. And today I am joined by the conduit of karma, the good witch, Kaya McKenna. So how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really, really good. I'm feeling a lot better. It's like I feel like I've been going through the whole seasonal sickness and crud everybody's been getting lately, especially with all the travel. So I'm finally like, okay, back to my back to my normal witchy self. Yeah, weeks, I, I know it's here. been it's been a rough couple of weeks, <laughs> a, lot, a rough month for a lot of people. Obviously, the holidays are now over. You know, there's been stuff going around, but you yourself have been getting back into the grind, into wrestling, yes. which obviously we'll talk about all of that. But I kind of wanted to start off about obviously witchy topics. Obviously, I wanted to touch first on your graphic design work at the moment, which obviously takes comes into play when creating your merchandise. And so I'm kind of curious for you, where do you typically draw your inspiration from? Or if it varies, can you kind of tell us your sources of inspo for your work? Well, obviously, I'm very heavily inspired by the moon. I'm very inspired by witchy iconography, by symbols that connect with feminine energy and empowerment. I love incorporating materia into my merch designs. That would be stuff like crystals or tarot cards or um, herbs per se. I think I have some designs that have like ferns that kind of create a nice little aesthetic. Um, I have my little scapegoat. I have my moth, which is inspired by Mothra, the moth goddess. So I always try to like draw off these like icons of like female empowerment, goddess energy, that type of thing, and incorporate them into fun little merch designs that are hopefully unique and different. Yeah, I feel like the Mothra is definitely obviously kind of like this mythological creature, but so is the scapegoat. So obviously you kind of know what that entails, but kind of those who maybe aren't as familiar with it, can you kind of explain the symbolism or uh, the importance of those creatures to you? Okay, so little quick his- witchy history lesson yeah. here. The scapegoat comes into play in witchery via Azazel and the Azazel priest. He gave women cosmetics and taught them to use their beauty to their advantage. He was thought to believe he was thought to be an agent of Lilith, who was also perceived to be a demoness because she was not subservient to man. So there we go. Um, and it basically goes back to the scapegoat being symbolic of the goat in which people would assign all of their sins to and then slaughter to atone for those sins. But Azazel was a goat in disguise and escaped his true retribution. So not only did it empower women by encouraging them to embrace their beauty, not be subservient to men, but he also escaped slaughter. And I love that. I love how it just... Yeah. I love overarching the story of just embracing your beauty, embracing that feminine energy, not being subservient to men or the patriarchy and finding your footing as a goddess. You know, especially to kind of, I mean, just in general, kind of this, you're kind of in, I guess you're in a male dominated industry right now and kind of coming into it's your own and, and, club. And, and channeling <laughs> your feminine energy. And I mean, kind of before we talk further i kind of wanted to narrow down like is the proper term witchcraft or is it more about not labeling and just creating your own magic i just want to be sure that we're just labeling it correctly i like calling it magic i like the term witchery too i don't know why i think that's fun um you can call it witchcraft whatever whatever you want there's no no rules right there's no right or wrong way to witch i think i say that quite frequently as well i'll usually refer to it as my magic or my witchery I don't think I've ever used like witchcraft regularly, but I don't know. I feel like too, you're, you're very into it. And I know you've mentioned before, you channel a lot of your stuff from the moon and plan your magic around that. So can you kind of explain what is the moon's relevancy to your witchery as the conduit of karma? So I am, this is the conduit of karma because I am technically a conduit witch. And what that means is I draw energy from the moon and I amplify it out in the way that the universe desires. So the moon is my source of energy. The moon mother is the overarching ruler for me. And underneath that, guys, how it kind of applies to what I do in wrestling is I know there are matches I'm going to win and I know there are matches I'm going to lose, but I also know that the karmic wheel turns in a way that creates balance and that all of those wins and those losses will eventually lead to my time in the in the sun in the spotlight right i just need to trust the moon mother and stay the course and continue to draw in that energy and amplify it in the proper direction because you know honestly the true craft of witchery is being able to manipulate energies and shape them into your desired favorable outcomes 
And that's kind of, you know, man, we all desire stuff, but it's never easy, the path to getting to what you want a lot of the time. So how do you kind of tackle that balance of I want this, but it's also never guaranteed? So it's, it's really interesting, right? Because like when you are performing witchery, it's not necessarily so much about the objects that you utilize or the Mm -hmm. materia or the rituals, but working with the energy that you perceive. And when I say that, I mean, you can't build this magnificent structure on a poor foundation and expect it to withstand the test of time. You have to be committed. You have to be strong in your intention and you have to be able to see the process through. And if you think about it, energy is all around us, right? Reality is composed entirely of energy. Everything's energy. If you want to talk about science, right? Like solid objects, this computer mouse is energy. It's just particles that are moving at a slower rate, right? So the energy that we perceive is not limited to what we can actually like physically experience with our senses. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's kind of kind of the unknown, but also like trusting yeah. in it, you know, channeling your own magic. It's not like a, a sub, what's it word? A tangible thing per se. No, it's not. But, you know, if you think about it, we also interact with energy all the time that we can't see, like radiation is an example of an energy that we experience without actually like seeing with our eyes or sensing with like any of our physical senses, so our touch, our sense of smell, our taste, right? So when you're in tune with these energies and you're perceiving them, like you're soaking in the stars, you're communicating with the moon and you're living in that state of alignment. I think I've discussed previously, everything becomes symphonic and it comes off like, is this really strong, comforting aura around you as an individual. And that's how you know you're manipulating energy and you're setting strong intentions and you're truly using your magic to its fullest extent. So that's where I strive to be, is to be able to be so in tune with these energies surrounding me that I can just absorb, amplify, and set intention for desired outcomes. Now, you mentioned energy. I... I know before, long before the conduit of karma came into wrestling and even before your graphic design, I believe you kind of brought some energy to the skateboard shop, you know? So can you tell us more about the skate park era of Kaya McKenna and working there? So like one of my first jobs when I was growing up is I worked in a skateboard shop and I would put skateboards together and sell hard goods. And I believe we had clothes as well and videos, the whole nine yards. And that was just a big part of my life growing up. I grew up in a beach town on the coast. You know, a lot of the kids would go to the skate park and hang out and skateboard there in lieu of going to summer camp. Because I go to summer camp when you live at the beach, your whole summer is a summer camp. Pardon me. So like, that was just what I did when I was a kid growing up because I loved to skate. And why not? You love to skate, work in a skate shop. And it was just a huge part of my life. I loved like skateboarding photography. Like that was something that really kind of drew me into art before I got into graphic design in that sense. So like that's, that was like the true origin point of a lot of things in my life. Right. Did you have a a best trick? I feel like everybody has to have like their own special trick. What was yours? I got a sweet 360 flip, but that's it. I was never a super good technical skateboarder. I am an amazing technical wrestler. I was not a good technical skateboarder. You are. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your skateboarding skills back then and then now? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, right now, I've not really been on my skateboard because I've been trying to rehab my shoulder. And I'm like, oh, if I bail and like mess my shoulder up again, it's it's that's not going to be good. So I've been trying to behave myself. But I would say that there's not been much progress made. I've always been just a casual skateboarder who really enjoyed skateboarding. I love skating park. I love skating bowls. I love just kind of skating transition. I'm not a big street skater. I'm not going to be the one going down the crazy super high vert ramp. Mm -hmm. It's not me. I truly just like cruising and having a good time with my friends. I feel like that's That's where my skill in skateboarding lies. You know, that's more than I can say, to be honest. (laughs) But I, I feel like you are someone with actual skating experience. And there's a lot of like skateboarder portrayals in pro wrestling you know as a lot of people take stuff from real life or not yeah and they put it into their characters so i think it's so great do you think that the portrayals that we've seen in wrestling have generally been accurate in recent years well it's really interesting right because like one of the things that i always loved about skateboarding much like wrestling is that it's a community that attracts people from all walks of life so there is no one way in which a skateboarder looks just like how there's no one way in which a witch operates right so i just i love that you can meet so many different people that were just embracing their own individuality so to say that there's like i would assume you have like the stereotypical like 
I guess, Avril Lavigne style Mm -hmm. skater girl portrayal, right? That would be mainstream. But there's so many different people in skateboarding that come from so many walks of life and are just so unique and so individual that it's hard to say there's one way a skateboarder should look. Much if like, that makes sense. yeah, much yeah. like there's different kinds of witches in wrestling. Absolutely. Which we'll- yeah. Absolutely. Because we'll- every witch comes into it in a different way, you know? We're and not I, all the same in that I sense. feel like with you, though, I'm still just imagining Kaya McKenna skating down the entrance ramp entrance ramp sometimes with her salt ready to put around the rink i feel like that would be it a more, more, more efficient way to do it so have you ever thought about intertwining those two worlds i feel like that would be a crazy like meeting of gimmick it would like, kaya skating down the entrance ramp pouring her salt ring while on her skateboard it would be more efficient be than amazing. walking around hitting, the rink, hitting a little uh, Hitting a little grind on the steel <laughs> steps before she makes her great ring entrance. I don't know. That would be a really interesting mashup. Especially if that ramp had, you know, actually had a little bit of a downhill climb, um, decline. I feel like that would work for you. It would be much yeah, more make efficient, sure you don't get any, too. <laughs> don't want to get any speed wobbles coming down that entrance ramp and biff it, man. That would not be good. Just no. No, but I feel like in character work too, obviously, I feel like we were mentioning there's a lot of like dark magic portrayals of witches in wrestling, whereas yourself is more the everyday practicing witch. And it's authentic too, because you actually practice that in real life. So how do you go about your daily life or existence as a witch? What does your typical routine or day look like in that aspect of your life? I always just try to like make sure I wake up with the strongest intention of living my life in alignment and not being reactive, but being responsive to things around me and being in tune with the energies around me and the messages I'm being sent from the goddesses and from the universe. It's really, really interesting because, um, you know, how does one become a witch? How do you live your life like a witch? And in a lot of witches, you acquire your power in many, many different ways. I don't have ever gotten into this before or not. Um, Some people inherit their power because they have a very strong familial lineage that goes back to ancient times. So that would be someone like myself, whereas like I grew up in the practice, I have family members in the practice, we have a familial coven, it goes back six or seven generations to Ireland, it's very deeply rooted. Then there are people who are gifted their powers, um, either from others or from other witches, and the intentions can be either good or bad. So that's another way a witch would come into her power. Or you have people who plain out just take their power. But most of the time when they do that, they're unaware of the responsibility that comes with doing so, right? Was it, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, as we've heard many, many times. So those are kind of a few ways people kind of get into their magic, right? If you're not bored into it and you want to claim it yourself or have it gifted to you from other witches, that's all okay. But the thing I try to remember is my particular power does not lie within darkness or light, but it, like, I am a witch with a familial lineage and it lies in greatness. It's like authentically mine. It can't be bought. It can't be sold. It can't be gifted. Like, I am so fortunate to just have been raised witchy you know and being born into witchiness um so I just try to always embrace that and just be very respectful of my practice and be very respectful of the witches that came before me and what they brought to the practice and always remember that there's no right or wrong way to witch every witch is going to forge her own path of magic and the best thing we can do is just mind our own cauldrons and be respectful to all the other witches out there practicing And, you know, I feel like one of your goals, obviously, kind of encapsulates part of that answer you just gave, because obviously you want to entertain people in wrestling, but also you want to make the audience believe in that magic and pursue a little bit of it themselves. So if people were to pursue that magic, what do you what would you say are maybe the first steps to familiarizing themselves with it? What would that beginning stage look like for them? Um, Where to start? I feel like it's very easy with all the content that's out there these days on TikTok and Instagram to get down a rabbit hole and get totally misled. But honestly, like real magic comes within from within you. Like you don't need tarot cards or crystals or salt or herbs or or flowers or candles or you don't need any of that to do magic. Real magic comes from within and being able to harness your own power 
and set your own intentions. And there's like this exercise you can do to just really like make yourself receptive to energy and channeling it and setting intentions. Because if you can't focus to set an intention, your 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 spell doesn't matter. It's not going to work. You know, you have to be able to kind of turn off. It's called monkey brain, right? Where we're just like so used to doing, 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 distraction, distraction, distraction. You have to learn how to like focus and really like hone in on your intentions before you get into buying crystals, before you get into doing spell work, any of that. And one of the exercises that I was taught to do is to just lay in bed. It's almost like meditation. Lay in bed, sit somewhere where you have no distractions, like turn off the phone, turn off the light, turn off the music, nothing. Like just, just be. And that's very hard. That's very hard in a society where we're constantly overstimulated. And when you're there, just close your eyes and you count down from 100 to 1, and you're just focusing on the numbers and nothing else. You're not letting any other thoughts come into your brain. And I know it seems like very like, oh, why are you counting down from 100? Was this like counting sheep? I don't get it. The point is you're trying to make your brain focus on this one thing without being distracted by anything external, any of your fleeting thoughts, anything that happened to you earlier in the day, anything that's currently happening around you, right? It's being able to really focus in on that one thing because that's going to help you as a witch set intention. And if you can't focus like that, you're never going to be able to set intentions and be an effective spellcaster. <laughs> so focus on setting your intentions. That's a great first step. Focus on counting down from 100. Visualize every number coming and going. And if you get distracted, like if your brain kicks in and you get distracted, it's okay. Forgive yourself and start all over from the top and try again. And it sounds as simple as it sounds. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to do. But you will feel such a sense of accomplishment when you get down to the number one and you will learn how to turn your brain off and set intentions clearly, which is a huge part of becoming an effective witch. If you can do that, you don't even need crystals or salt to cast spells. You can truly just manifest with your mind. As crazy as that is, right? So that would be my advice to anybody who's practicing is or just starting to practice is really learn how to properly set an intention because that's going to be cornerstone into anything you do, even if you start pursuing spell work. And you briefly mentioned um, staying in alignment, which I know yes. you kind of had to have a whole dissertation on. So for that, can you kind of explain that obviously intertwines with setting your intentions, but also staying in alignment? Yes. So like the thing that's really interesting is it does go directly with setting your intentions, right? You can enjoy these crystals, these candles, these spells, but there's never value placed on being in alignment. It's again, something you can't buy or sell. Like there's no TikTok hot deal for alignment. <laughs> it doesn't matter how pretty all your little witchy things are. If you're out of alignment, it's not going to, not going to do you any good, right? So living in alignment is when your thoughts are lining up with your emotions and both are consistent with the behavior you're demonstrating. So you can process things well and you can make good choices and you can make those choices in a sense where it's like you're truly weighing what requires an internalized versus an externalized reaction, right? So you're being like responsive instead of immediately reactive to things that happen to you. Um, it's really, again, much like setting an intention, it's something that you have to master via a strong sense of discipline and patience. So it doesn't cost you anything other than your time yeah. and your commitment. You have to be consistent and you have to be committed. And when you reach that state where your thoughts and your emotions are lined up and you're in control of your reactions, you will develop such a strong sense of self-awareness that will serve you in all walks of your life. <laughs> like the more self-aware, the more in alignment you can be, the easier your life is going to be. You're going to be able to deal with things better. You're not going to feel like you're flying off the handle. You're not going to feel like you're just reacting to things happening around you. You're going to be able to process information, make good choices, and respond accordingly mm -hmm. and remain in tune with the universe and the energies around you. And I know you do encapsulate that you were mentioning crystals and obviously charms is another big thing in yeah. your wrestling uh, persona. It's not really a persona. It's just who you are. But you bring charms to the ring when performing. So can you kind of elaborate on what their intended purpose is and what they actually look like? Yeah, so in... Uh, witchcraft, anything that's like a charm or, you know, a crystal or an herb, it's called materia. And the, I am, eh, words. Good. The purpose of materia is to occupy your lower self so you can set stronger intentions using your middle and higher self. So that would be your focus, right? What you want to come up the spell. 
kind of like when you give um, a small child a toy to keep it occupied, right? You're occupying that lower self with materia that assists in strengthening your spell, but you're doing most of the work with your mind. So the idea of that materia is to help make a more favorable environment for the spell to be more effective. So when I put salt around a ring, I'm creating a binding circle to contain the energy. So it creates a more favorable environment for my spell work. And I it's feel like, yeah, we were mentioning that you do sprinkle that salt around the ring. So what kind of energy are you hoping to contain though with that ritual? Oh my gosh. So like, again, yeah, I was talking about how like you can't always see energy, right? Yeah. Like sometimes energy is moving so fast you can't see it. And then maybe you're not touching it. You're not smelling it. You don't see it, but like, you know, it's there. It's like a clear cognizance to a sense, you know, like the sense that has not been refined because it's not key to our survival, like our five senses are. So like, you have to be able to like sense that energy and perceive it and then know the best way to kind of get your arms around it. Right. So in regard to the salt ring, it's like, that's really good for like a lot of chaotic energy. That's hard to contain. You can just encapsulated into one place right or you have like crystals that absorb energy you have crystals that deflect energy you have crystals that amplify energy so knowing all of that also comes into play like what are you trying to do are you trying to amplify the energy around you are you trying to contain the energy around you are you trying to absorb it you know are you trying to reflect it into something else that's a, like mirrors mirrors and spell work are the same thing right like are you, you're usually trying to reflect energy or direct it into a specific direction or toward a specific purpose so a lot of it's like what is your intent overall and like how can you use the materia to strengthen the intent and i feel like too you've obviously it's not a not a ritual but it, you do have a place where you store a lot of your valuable knowledge and energy your wrestling notebook so what does that look like and what type of material is in it i um so like when i'm looking for like things that I can use in wrestling, right? I actually, I have like the, the Apple notes. I have okay. many actual notebooks from so seminars, from um, classes. Oh God, you know what? And I'll get into that in a second. Um, but I also, my phone, I use screen record all the time. I have a digital notebook. I consume a massive amount of wrestling. And whenever I see something that I think will work for me and my style, I do save it. And when I'm looking for things, I'm looking for something that's like a progression. So it's like, I'm drawing the energy, I'm drawing the energy, I'm drawing the energy. And then it ends with something big or explosive. Like we're all working toward that big explosive thing that's going to be very advantageous to you. So that's what I look for as far as like saving like clips of moves that I can maybe do or like spots or sequences, like the best use of my energy. And I'm also not overusing energy, right? Because it's sure. like, you got to have gas in the tank. But as far as digital notebook i take a lot of screen recordings of videos if you are a newer wrestler you should do that i'm a newer wrestler and i do it you should definitely do it because you can also slow it down and you can see the nitty-gritty if you're like a real student of the game um the other thing to do is i always take notes <laughs> i take notes everywhere i keep a notebook with me in my gear bag i am let's see january will be like three years graduated from wrestling school i obviously still go back and train a lot Every time Seth is there talking, I'm taking notes because there's, you can't learn it all in one day. You can't, you can't learn it all in 12 weeks. You can't learn it all in six months. But if you learn bit by bit by bit, and you just compile this huge resource of information, you will be so much more successful. And it's crazy. Like even like people I know that have told me stuff or like, if I go to burgers and train, I have a notebook yeah. every time. And I know that like some of the stuff is like, I know people have told me like six times. I know it. But for some reason that sixth time it hit. Or for some reason, that sixth time I understood. So it's that's why it's so important to just constantly take notes and just keep evolving and learning. Because some things you learn don't make sense until you've actually been out there and had trial and error, you know? What's one of those pieces of wisdom that maybe didn't click right away that you kind of understand and value now? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, like, I'm trying to figure out how to speak on this. Okay. Because it's something... That is very interesting that I don't think most people probably don't get in wrestling right out the gate. But once I started experiencing this, a lot more of the psychology talks made sense to me. And I think that a lot of people, when you start wrestling, you are so focused on what you're trying to do. You don't hear the crowd. You don't. You're just like, I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, crap. Mm -hmm. They're going to win. Oh, my God. No, how do I do blah, blah. It's like this constant like barrage happening in your head. And you're just the crowd's there, but they're not. Mm -hmm. But then when you 
have some experience, you start to hear people and you start to hear how they're reacting and you start to hear if they think what you're doing is effective or not. And like, you start to hear, they want you to engage with them, right? <laughs> like you hear these things. And once you can hear the crowd, the information that you learn about psychology is so like makes sense in a whole completely different light. Like when you're hearing it and you're new and you know nothing about wrestling, you're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. But when you have the experience that you can then relate to the information you're being given, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know what? That does make sense. That makes a lot of sense now. And that's like been the biggest light bulb for me is just getting to the point where I was able to like work better with crowds, if that made sense, and then better apply information that I had in the storytelling sense. Yeah, kind of you get in your own head that you like don't realize like everything that's out there. You're not able to kind of take- No, yeah, everything. you do. And you're trying to win. So it's like, you're trying to like, not get your ass kicked, kick somebody else's yeah. ass, be entertaining while you're at it, you know, like it's a lot, but that is something that's been a big growth thing for me is just being able to like, um, you know, hear those reactions and like, then you determine what is and isn't effective and then you become a better wrestler, you know? You do. And I, I mean, you were, I mean, you've had a bittersweet year most of it has been out of action. Um, but before you came back from your initial shoulder injury, you said that you kind of had a lot of big comeback plans in mind. So what were some of those? Obviously, things got derailed. We'll talk about that in a second. But what were some of those big initial plans or hopes that you had lined up for your eventual comeback? I was booked every weekend for the first time in my career. And I was so excited about it because like you... You go to a lot of places and you hope for opportunity. You pay a lot of dues and you hope for opportunity. And maybe you pick up some shows here and there, but you're yeah. really just trying to scrounge stuff together, especially like that first year and a half. And I felt like for the first time, I was like, oh my God, people want to see me. People want to book me. People are excited that I'm wrestling again. Yeah. <laughs> what is this, you know? And I guess it's because we all get in our own heads so much we too. Do. But I was just excited about being able to wrestle every single weekend somewhere that wasn't home base. Like, I was so excited to return to AAW. Like, I was so excited to do Grandel, you know, wrestling in St. Louis. It's an amazing show. Like, the, the, the production value there is incredible. I was so excited to go back up to Wrestling Open and beyond. I miss those fans so mm -hmm. much. I'm going to cry. Like... I was so excited to just be back with welcome warm arms and well, I'll still be back just a little bit later. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. But obviously you mentioned you did return in September and wrestled a few matches leading into mid October where you had that. I was doing so good. You were, so you were, you had that appearance <laughs> at AEW and you were a part of the, the crew that, you know, kind of attacked Mike Bennett. But when you went to go hit from behind, obviously your shoulder made a noticeable pop with the dislocation. Oh, it's gnarly. Oh my I, God. I hope I, I never see I, that I, video again. <laughs> I was, I just was rewatching re it today. You can literally hear it. It's like deafening almost. So do you recall what was going through your mind when you first felt that impact of your shoulder you've got to be shitting me yeah. That's what was going through my mind because i was like i have just had major surgery i have rehabbed for eight months yeah. i threw a bitch 40 feet the other day no problem and i hit him in the back and the shoulder just goes look it was the most insane feeling um but i'm actually like one of those people that's not horrible in a crisis situation yeah. so once it happened i i knew what it was because unfortunately it has happened to me before um but i also knew there was other parts of that segment that needed to happen and i needed to clear the ring so i just immediately got out of the ring because i did not want to distract from what everybody else had been working so hard toward that evening you know the show goes on it had to go on if i would have just flopped over on my back and be like oh my god i'm hurt blah blah like that would have sucked yeah. and like ruined everything it would have ruined the spot it would have ruined the segment Everybody would have felt weird for the rest of the show because nobody likes to see anybody get hurt. <laughs> Let's be honest, that ruins the vibe for a show if someone gets hurt. It's just always over people's heads. I've seen it many times when other people get hurt. Anyways, I was like, I just got to get out of here real quick, right? So I just rolled out of the ring and I went over to the post and I tried to like walk my shoulder up kind of like, you know, the Bruce Willis mm -hmm. gimmick and it was not 
going and I was like oh man okay this this really sucks all right what are we gonna do now because like my first I was like I just got to get this back in before it gets too tight and then I have to go to the hospital because I was like I don't want to go to the ER yeah I then crawled over and I gently asked the ring announcer if I could borrow his chair for a second I internally rotated my arms so like this I put it on the seat of the chair and I just dropped my head below the seat of the chair and I was able to pop it back in and then Masha helped me in the back because she's a wonderful friend and wrestle mom but um yeah it's like it's crazy it all happens so fast you know your first thought is like oh! and then you're like right? okay wait, there's other shit going on yeah. so I have to still like get through it and like clear out and not like ruin everything so my gosh my friend <laughs> it was whole, obviously it was whole day. <laughs> obviously it was an accident but still it was it's, I it's... mean honestly I was not being a very good witch that day I was being a very bad witch I was trying to like maybe change things up a little bit and see if it would work better for me and i learned that lesson the hard way don't be a bad mike mike steel back bennett be a bad (sighs) bitch not a bad witch (laughs) exactly but again it's kind of another absolutely just use his back as the finisher mike steel back bennett for real (laughs) he was so kind and he felt so bad and i felt so bad that he felt so bad because it really was just an accident and it was it was totally my fault i've been trying to think about like what maybe happened with it because you're like always trying to go okay don't want to repeat that because that was terrible and i feel like when i came down it was almost like my arms slid a little bit and like his back got underneath my elbow and then popped it up and that's obviously a very unnatural movement pattern and that's what i think happened yeah watching it back a couple of times i had a fan send me the video from a different angle so i could see it better and that was really really helpful so yeah here we are i'm just i'm 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 replaying it in my head right now i've just never hit somebody like that in a match before either like that is the craziest thing that's the first time i I was like oh yeah you know because i know how to do that fine and like no uh it said not today it said not today witchy not today but obviously it was an accident but still it was another setback for you so i mean how have you been coping physically and rehabbing the last couple of months since then so when i was initially injured in december of 2021 i felt like i took it a lot better (laughs) i'm gonna be honest i was like this sucks but you know what i'm gonna get it taken care Mm -hmm. of I'm not going to ever have to worry about it again. I'm taking time off now, so I don't have to deal with it in the future. And it's it's going to be great. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to be super diligent in my physical therapy. I'm going to be diligent in the gym. I'm going to get back in the ring, and I'm going to wait the appropriate amount of time. So I had, like, because I was always focused on what the next step was, I felt like I did better with it that yeah. time. But when I was re-injured in October, like, it was really hard. I was really sad and I was like not not handling it well at all because it's like I think there's something it was like a like a two percent chance that I would ever have another dislocation so like the odds of something like that happening are just so small and it's like you're grappling with that in your head and then you're also grappling with the fact of like I did everything right I did not rush my recovery I did my physical therapy four times a week I still worked out in the gym. I didn't even go back to wrestling right away. Like I, I trained for a month to get back to wrestling. Like I didn't try to cut corners in any capacity. And it's just, that was very, very hard for me to accept that that happened to me despite doing everything I was supposed to, you know? And I got really depressed about it. Um, I was fortunate that when it happened, I was out at my gym and everybody there was extremely supportive and still included me in CrossFit workouts and kept me moving right out. Like, I think it was like four days after I dislocated that I did a CrossFit workout. Um, Scaled, of course. Yeah. But I did it, you know, because it's like you have to just keep focused and keep moving. But um, it was really tough. It was it was really tough. And especially when I had to come home to see the surgeon, right? Because like you're in this environment that's very supportive and nurturing and your coaches are there and they're wonderful and they have great advice for you and you don't feel alone. And then you you leave, you go 14 hours away from this home base because you have to see your surgeon and then you're by yourself and you're alone with your thoughts. And we all know how that is. So despite the injury not being as bad as it could have been, um, still... Still, yeah, I still have a little bit of damage and I'm now dealing with residually. And just, it's been very tough for me mentally this time around. I mean, I'm still going to the gym. I'm I'm still in good physical shape. Like nothing there has been a problem, but 
just trying to like find motivation to keep pursuing and keep pushing when everything kind of worked against me, despite my best efforts has been very, very difficult this year. Well, I'm you, cry. sorry. You, no, you're good. You've been, <laughs> you've been making an effort to obviously, I mean, not only physically is one thing, but like you said, that huge mental component to it too. And you noted too, that you had started seeing a sports psychologist to help you deal with that aspect. So how have you learned to kind of center yourself back mentally or eliminate those mental blocks along the way during this second, you know, go around? What really drove me to see a sports psychologist was I was sleeping all day. I was not getting out of my bed. I would go to the gym and then get right back in my bed. Like, explain to me how that works in the realm of depression. But it was a thing. And I was like, okay, I'm not getting anything done. I'm not shipping out my merch orders. I'm not promoting myself. I'm not trying to hype up for a comeback. I am literally just existing and nothing else. And... I just couldn't find the motivation to do that. And I was like, okay, wow, this is depression. I'm depressed, <laughs> you know, like been here before. So I was like, I probably should talk to somebody about it. And I've been thinking about it for a while. And then I just recently came back from Black and Brave because I was like, well, I need to see where I'm at in the ring so I can report back to my surgeon and move toward getting cleared for the new year. And I remember standing in the ring and being scared shitless to do a Ford roll. <laughs> Like, and, and none of, nothing about that made sense. Like, my shoulder was not going to pop out if I did yeah. a somersault on the floor. <laughs> but mentally, I it was crippling this fear and this anticipation and this, this hesitancy and this guarding. And I was like, there's no physical reason for me to be reacting this way. Like, everything is good. I've seen my surgeon. I've had x-rays. I've had MRIs. I've had... It's good, right? Like, physically, it's good. Why am I still struggling? And I just couldn't figure it out. Like... I was practicing my strikes and my friend Nick there was like, just hit me. And I'm like, I don't know if I can. Like, what if I hit you? What if I hit you and my arm flies off and hits yeah. the wall? <laughs> it's like this spiraling feeling that's not normal and shouldn't be happening, right? So on top of that, with obviously the depression that I had been going through, I was like, I really need to talk to somebody about this. And I just did a little bit of research and I found someone that was a sports psychologist. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I've never seen that before, you know? So I kind of looked into it and it's someone who's obviously a psychologist and a therapist that handles things that psychologists and therapists handle, but also from the realm of athletic performance. So it's someone that you can speak to about these concerns and they validate that. It doesn't feel like you know, like, well, you just have to get over it or you just have to do it or like, don't be a little bitch or whatever, <laughs> you know, like the, all this stuff we tell ourselves as athletes. And it's, it's just been very nice and reaffirming to have someone go, it's okay to have that hesitancy. And it fully makes sense as to why you have it, but here's how you can combat it. And here's what you need to remember. And just, you know, it's just been so eye-opening for me and just so nice to have those sorts of feelings validated when in the past, like it was always just like, deal with it. You know, it's like, well, maybe I need help dealing with it and that's okay. So I'm hoping by working with her that I can overcome some of those guarding barriers that I have in the ring, some of the hesitancy, some of the anticipation and just some of the fear. And like, because it also translates in your performance, right? Like if you're not 100% confident in your movements, like the fans are going to be able to tell and I'm going to look slow and I'm going to look like shit. And I don't want to put on a bad performance for people. Like that would be even more heart-wrenching heart than all of the other stuff is to disappoint people when I came back. So I just, to me, like it was, it was a really good move just to have someone to speak to that understands like what you're going through from an athletic performance standpoint, like to lose something that you feel very strongly and passionate about. It's a loss. It's a loss. Just like if you lose a pet or you, you lose a partner or you lose a job or you, you lose something valuable, like you go through a loss when you're unable to do something you love for a very long time. So just going through the grieving process, you know, because you have to grieve an injury. And it's like, I wasn't even aware of this. I was just like, you just deal with it. And it's like, no, but there's a way to deal with it that is more mentally effective. And it's just been so good for me. And if you are somebody who has been injured and you're struggling, like, please go talk to a sports psychologist. It's worth every penny. If you have insurance, a lot of them take insurance. I feel like just in the couple of weeks I've been doing this, that. I'm able to, I got a highlight video together. I shipped out my merch orders, you know, like 
I started feeling better in general. I started pushing myself a little more in the gym as a way of like kind of weeding off that hesitancy, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, okay, well, if my shoulder will hold up for a 215 pound deadlift, it'll True. hold up for hitting someone. Mm-hmm. So just being able to implement those strategies and just have someone to talk to that is very empathetic and understanding about what I've been through has been really, really wonderful and very, very helpful for me because I was not doing well for a minute there. And I know it's so out of character for me because I'm usually like this, this, um, beacon of light that people really look forward to and look forward to seeing on social media and like all this positive energy and stuff but I wasn't feeling very positive you gotta take care of yourself first yeah you know and part of being in alignment is making sure that everything is is good and if Mm -hmm. if something's not good then you've got to do what you got to do to get that back to where it needs to be so it was a a very eye-opening experience for me this time around even though it was a shorter time frame I felt like it hit me way harder and it was really really tough to deal with but we'll I, see. I, I feel like <laughs> things are better now. It's going better now. I'm definitely in a better space. Um, it's just, I'm very grateful. I found that tool. You know, mm-hmm. we always focus on the physical performance, yeah. right? I need to physically get back in shape. I need to physically be able to run the ropes and take bumps and, and do high knees and drop down and sprawl and, and, and flip and whatever. And I need to be able to lift. I got to lift. I got to snatch and I got to clean and I got to deadlift and I got to do burpees and I got to do all that. And you focus so much on like, I got to look good. I got to look yeah. good in my gear. I can't eat shit. You know, you're so focused on this physical aspect of recovery that you sometimes neglect the mental and emotional aspect of recovery, which I have learned in a few short weeks is just as important as being able to hit those deadlift PRs. You got to hit those like mental PRs as well, right? Like the self-love PRs, as Mm -hmm. I call them. So that's, it's been, it's been tough, but I'm actually kind of glad I had that experience because it introduced me to a whole new tool. It introduced me to taking care of something that I was neglecting for a very, very long time. It's obviously unfortunate that I was hurt again, but I'm trying to really see how this is setting me up for even more success in 2023. You know, I feel like uh, Suge told me when I was hurt, Suge D <laughs> told me that my time is not denied. It's just a little delayed. And I've tried to keep carry that with me through this whole process. And it's been very reassuring. It's like, I don't mean to be upset, no, but I was having a really hard day. And he told me that. And it was just what I needed to hear in that moment. And I've just always kept that in my mind. Like my time is not denied. It's just a little delayed. And let me tell you, my time's coming in 2023. Oh, it is, <laughs> I'm bitch. ready. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm ready physically. I am ready emotionally. I am ready mentally. And I'm going to take the world by storm. You know, I'll weave my magic all across the land. Sprinkle Good witch, a little bitch. bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinkle a little <laughs> bit of you everywhere you go. But no, I yeah. feel like too, obviously that kind of discussion on mental health, I feel like has really blossomed a it lot so in cool. the last few years in professional wrestling. And like you said, I mean, it's just as important as physically because yeah, you can be physically, you know, in the best shape of your life. But if you're not mentally yeah, there, you you can't focus on like, you know. I was very mentally psychology. out of shape. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that a good way to put it mentally out of shape like yeah I mean it's also this time of year too which is a rough time for a lot of people too we're recording this before Christmas and all of that you know oh yeah like seasonal depression is a real thing like for me especially yeah because it gets cold then it gets dark and then like you're just like sitting in the house like yeah pretty much pretty (laughs) much but you I mean as it stands, like we said, it is a few days before Christmas. Do you have a, I mean, your time is delayed. It's not denied. Do you have a projected return time frame at this point? What is the current state of your, of your shoulder injury? I am cleared to return to training in January. Okay. So that's good. Um, when I saw the surgeon last, my shoulder was just as stable as it was right after surgery. So that's good. Whatever happened um, has apparently resolved or healed. Very, very lucky. I'm not going to take that luck for granted. That's for sure. I'm definitely not going to hit Mike Bennett in the back again. Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> so if all goes well, I would will probably be returning to the ring between February and March of 2023. And I mean, I could probably go wrestle next week, but I really just have learned the importance of creating the time for myself that I need to be 100% ready physically, emotionally, and mentally. And I want to make sure that all three of those things are in check before I return to the ring. So I'm just affording myself a little extra time to make sure I'm good to go. (laughs) 
obviously those are definitely, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically have definitely been a big challenge for you, but also there's kind of the challenge of relevancy too. In oh the, my God. Let in me the... tell you, trying to stay relevant for a whole year. Oh yeah, boy. In this kind I of... appreciate you so very much doing this interview with me today because I am running low on content, y'all. It's been a year, y'all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this industry is so saturated, especially when you're out of commission. And yeah, I mean, you can do things creatively, you know, with like your merch and all of that, but kind of having a platform taken away from you. I mean, tell us more about how you've tackled or approached this challenge that, you know, of staying relevant. Okay, well, the first thing I did both times is I just cried about it a lot because that, you know, fair, allow yourself to feel. (laughs) It's healthy. I am a feel. I am a Pisces. I am a water sign. I am a Scorpio, uh, also a water a sign. I cry a lot. <laughs> I cry a lot, usually in my car or my house, but not in front of other people. So the fact that I cried on this interview is A, very in line with being a Pisces, but B, out of my character because I'm usually very good at like... Yeah, so the first thing is I was like, all right, after I cried and I was able to think again because like... I couldn't think until I cried. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but until like I got everything out, I did not have the brain space to like actually like comprehend things and like make a plan of action, right? So once I got everything in order and I was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? You know, crying fits over, ready to rock and roll. Let's go. I was like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is just take a couple of pictures as I start my rehab process and afford myself the time to be away from social media. Because if you never go away, you can't really be missed. So I did just want to have a little bit of time away. And also I needed that time away because I was, you know, after I had surgery and then it became very real to me that I couldn't do shit for eight weeks. I was very angry (laughs) and I didn't want to watch wrestling and I didn't want to go to do anything physical. I was just, I needed to create time for myself. So... Once I was able to go back to the gym and like actually do some stuff. I I mean, I went back to the gym two weeks after I had surgery. I would sit and ride the stationary bike in my abduction sling like a psychopath. But (laughs) yes, because it's like I was so bored. Um, I started just taking videos of like the progression. Um, I started focusing on making new gear. I started focusing on having fresh pictures. I started focusing on maybe sharing content that wasn't necessarily wrestling related exactly, like ways I was recovering and enjoying myself, like vacations I went on or um, ways in which I treated myself, cute content of my empress. Like, I just tried to, like, find, like, who I was as a person outside of wrestling because I got a little lost in the sauce, as we all do. And then by the time that, Pat, by the time... I was strapped for content again on that sense. I was actually training again. So I was like, okay, now I'm back in the gym and I need to make some actual videos with me doing actual workouts, not just what I've done for physical therapy. So I started, you know, documenting some of the workouts so I could also then see my progress, right? Like, that's good. So I've started doing a whole bunch of like videos of me just in black and brave, trying to get back at it from a weightlifting standpoint, from a rehab standpoint, from a lifting standpoint. Um, I did not do any videos of me training in the ring because I personally don't like when people do that. I, I know the jury's out on that. I think some people do it and it's really cool, but mm-hmm. it's not for me. I kind of like to protect my protect my move set a little bit. I don't want people. I don't want my opponents to know what's coming. Fair. You know, if I'm posting all these videos about what I'm going to do to you, you can plan for it. I don't want exactly. you to plan for me. You know, it's a fair strategy. It's a smart yes, strategy. So- But I did. And then like, I just tried to like go out. The other thing I tried to do is once I was able to is go out um, and not sit in the house and be sad (laughs) because that's, that's not good. So like, I think as soon as I got out of my sling, I went to WrestleMania in Dallas and I helped GCW at their collective literally just literally three days out of my sling. Um, But it was so nice to just see everybody and, and just have all that nobody forgot you nobody you didn't just fall off the face of the earth because you were taking care of yourself like it was nice to have that reaffirmed and honestly all throughout the summer brett was very good to me and and allowed me to come out and help and do things to feel efficacy all throughout the summer at all their shows and that was that was good for me it was good for my mental state too right you know maybe it's not being in the gym and it's not doing physical therapy but still being around something you love feeling like you're a part of it and contributing to it and also getting to see your friends right like you literally when you get hurt you go from seeing people that you see every weekend to not seeing them for six months and that sucks so just seeing people that i had formulated such good friendships with right 
Like that was so, so pivotal to my recovery as well. And getting content, you know, cause it's like, oh, we're here. Oh, we're there. Oh, here's, here we are at the arch. Here we are at the backyard, whatever, you know? So just getting to take people along for that ride, kind of like the, the wrestling road diaries approach, right? Do you, do you remember that? Have you seen that? Am I making I myself sound so. <laughs> I believe so. I don't think, I don't think. It was a Cold Cabana's I think, documentary. I don't think I'm that much younger than you, girl. I'm, I think uh-huh. I'm 25, so. Well, I just, I remembered like how cool yeah. I thought that was yeah. when I was a teenager. And I was like, what if we, what if I just tried to take a couple of pictures here and there, some fun little videos and like, didn't do a whole documentary, but just kind of tried to like take something from how enjoyable yeah. that was. To I mean, you can make it into that. a reel. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like <laughs> it's literally like if there was a reel, it's like yeah. the 2006 or seven version of a reel. So I, I just, I did that for a while for content too. Just like come along for the ride. Let's have some camaraderie. And then once I was able to start training again and start taking shows again, I was like, oh my God, I was so grateful. I was like, oh my God, a picture of me wrestling. I have content. You do. I have content. So like just being able to start posting stuff like that again was so pivotal. And then I was like, when I got re-injured, I was like, oh my God, I have no content again. You know, at least I I don't want to say it's like a blessing in disguise, but you've kind of gone through this before. And this is obviously... It, obviously it still sucks but it's not like your first go around with it you kind of have like maybe a game plan already nope, i went right back to those workout yeah. videos yeah you <laughs> kind of already you know you're sadly you were kind of used to it you know already accustomed to it, it. Was. <laughs> um and i was actually what um i was i was listening to one of gabe sapolsky's spaces that yes he hosts now that, that, are, hosts. that are really great yeah, on the indie and, scene yeah yeah if you were not listening to those you were <laughs> you're just making a very poor choice please go listen to them um, and he was talking about the importance of highlight videos. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a highlight video. I've been wanting to do this for a while, but you know, there were many things that were standing in my way, mm-hmm. probably mostly mental, but here we are. So I made one and I watched all of my matches back that I had ever had. And that, that was traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> the, me was watching good. the early days of my, my work. I get it. <laughs> well, yes, that that's literally what it is. So well, you're, cause you're looking for like, what looked really good that I can put in this video, yeah. but you have to watch everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. But it was good for me because I was able to recognize what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. I was able to finally give myself credit for my growth because when you're in the moment, you don't see your growth happening. But yes, compared to where I was two years ago, I have made strides and I was finally able to give myself credit for that. And then, like, I was also able to identify what wasn't working in my wrestling. And until you see everything all together, you'd be like, why am I always losing? Why am I not winning? You know, why are my opponents always getting the best of me? And then you recognize patterns in your own strategies that are maybe not so great that you can then correct. So not only, like, I guess I've also been given some time to kind of go back to the drawing board in that sense. And I'm glad I watched all those matches and that Gabe was talking about highlight videos, because if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have gotten to that phase of growth either, right? So I made a highlight video. Ivan FireJ made it. It's incredible. Um, and it was such a confidence booster for me because I remember I watched it back and I was like, dang, you know, I'm pretty good. <laughs> we're all so hypercritical of ourselves. I mean, I, I think that all wrestlers were the first, were our own worst enemies in that aspect. We're the first ones to be like, I didn't like this or I didn't like that or, oh, I'm so terrible or, oh, I'm so bad. And, like, just, I was finally able to see, seeing all of it put together, like, nice and fancy. I was like, oh, wow, okay, you know? It gave me confidence I needed. So, like, God, I owe Ivan my life for that because it was, like, I needed that so desperately in that moment. And he made that happen for me. And it's just, that was my content. And now I'm like, okay, now that I'm cleared to start training again, what's the next step in content? Oh, I'm making a new gear. I got to get new promo photos again. So there we go. I'm going to do that. Mm. And it just, it picked itself back up. It's just constantly trying to create content is just a constant, constant battle. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> and get like getting that. The content scene is so hard these days because everything is just favors these like 10 second little clips of people opening jars of peanut butter and shit. <laughs> it's not even like. And on the platform, depending too. I, I mean, I, TikTok just daunts me to go on there as a creator, although it's worked very well for a lot of my friends and the algorithm. You can like yeah, yeah. discover your whole niche and get yourself out there, but it's also like being like, oh, you know, like mentally it's like 
you it's know, that's like me putting off this highlight reel for hosting for like forever. It's just like, well, get your clips together and you I should know. do a Ivan because he's incredible. I know. It's just, Ugh. you know, it's just like a mix of like the mental hump of it or you're just you like, ain't gonna like, tell me getting the ball rolling is the yeah, hardest uh, thing it's oh just my like... god it is so hard for me to get the ball rolling on stuff but once i get moving we're off to the races yeah. and uh last question here i mean you obviously stayed involved behind the scenes like you mentioned gcw with brett lauderdale obviously the gym you know ring crew ring crew for shows and other facets and that so can you tell us some of maybe the valuable experiences you've gained through those ventures or maybe how you benefited from them yeah, um, make yourself valuable because then people appreciate you and want you around. Um, so many times I go to do ring crew and I see people just standing there waiting for direction. And it's like, dude, go talk to somebody. Go ask what's needed. Like, do something. Like, mm -hmm. offer to do something. Like, you know, don't just stand there and take up space and do nothing, you know? Like, there's always something that needs to be done. So I saw the importance of that. And then also just being in those environments, like, you learn so much. Like, I have learned how to put up steel cages. I can put up a war games cage. I know how to build deathmatch weapons. I know how to take a whole ring down and put a whole ring up all by myself if I had to. Like, I know how to load trailers. I know how to do stary strips. <laughs> I know how to pick glass out of things. Like, it's... You know, um, oh my gosh, like, you know, just I know how to set chairs. I know how to run a door. Like, I, I know I I'm use your brain. You can do airport runs if you have a car. Like, yeah. it it's there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people are just completely unaware of. That even when like when you're going to help and set up, like just setting chairs in the ring up is just such a small part of it. Mm -hmm. It's such a small part of it. And just getting to see all these roles or even like production right like getting all the cameras together running all the wires setting up all the lighting like god aaw has a whole like stage set like they they drape stuff off they have lighting rigs they have an entranceway like there's a whole production that goes into setting all that up like i've learned so much about everything that happens in wrestling from those experiences and it's been fun but it's also i feel like it makes you like just more valuable as a person in wrestling it's like cuz you you're contributing even if you know you can't contribute by actually wrestling in the ring you're still showing that you love this business and you want to be a part of it so like that's when my thing is just being able to contribute to something i love and learn so much about it and like all the things that are a part of it that like you probably wouldn't think of on the surface right like just everything all the all the camaraderie that happens that people just are unaware of like, I remember there was one, it was, I can't remember what GCW show it was. It was the one where Matt Cardona came out in the wheelchair. And yeah. we were like, we we're like, how do we get a wheelchair? Like, yeah. And we're trying, we're going through like all of these like avenues of like, how are we going to get a wheelchair? Is Jimmy Lloyd going to steal one from somebody? Like, what are we going to do? You know? And I was like, okay, hold on. Like, this is Atlantic City. Like, the boardwalk is a million miles long. There's got to be, like, some sort of accessibility rental place here because people come on vacation here, right? Yeah. And not everybody takes their wheelchairs and stuff. So it's, like, the whole – even stupid things. Like, that's not setting up a ring. That's not setting up chairs. But I spent all day trying to find a wheelchair for this one spot. And I ended up renting one from the Hard Rock Hotel. Yep. There you go. There you go. But it's like, but it, who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? Nobody knew until we no. got there that day. And then it became a thing. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so just being the one person that like had enough brain cells to like yeah. figure that puzzle out made me valuable. You're running you know? around Atlantic City like a frenzy. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I was just making <laughs> phone calls. I was like, yeah. nah, this Okay, is fair. <laughs> but yeah, I feel so like just... making yourself well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to, like, adapt and, like, have a contingency plan or just, like, work on the fly. Like, you know, you, you call matches in the ring. It's like, okay, we're yep. just going with this one to see how it goes, you know? So just, yeah, that's been fun, too. Like, just all the stuff that goes into shows, learning about all of that. I love I'm doing airport runs. I love getting to talk to people in the car mm -hmm. about their wrestling experiences or, or whatever, like, their cats, their dogs, what music they like. I don't know. I think that's a fun experience, too. I mean, you yourself used to work at a record shop. We won't open that can of worms, but I that is definitely I've discussed that a little bit with you. But yeah. you know, the next time around we can we'll open we'll open that to learn more about so your own music tastes and vinyl. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh but, man, I got a lot. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's an addiction. <laughs> I believe it. She has a big collection of crystals, of everything witch related, of music. She found her skateboards. You know, vinyl. you're a very interesting person, Kaya. You got a lot. 
why be boring why Why fair enough you should absolutely have hobbies and interests no how dare you i know (laughs) it's so funny like how many times like throughout my adult life like i've been to various work functions at the places i've worked outside Mm -hmm. of wrestling and like people don't have anything they put time or energy into outside of their job and it's like how do you exist you don't collect anything their life is their job their job is their life yeah, it's like you you don't like to you don't like to even ride your bike on the weekends. Like there's nothing. There's nothing. Dude, there's so many people that have nothing. And for that's why I'm so grateful for wrestling, because wrestling is a big something. It is. And it's like, you know, it's it's such a huge part of my life that brings such balance. And I'm so grateful I have it. And that I still get to partake in it. So And I am so grateful that you partook in this discussion here today. Obviously, before we get you out of here, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on all your social medias? My handle is Kaya MCK on everything. So it's K-A-I-A-M-C-K. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, yeah, that's all of them that I'm on, I think. And then my store is Kaya McKenna.bigcartel.com. I just got beanies in stock. I got long sleeves coming in stock. All of that stuff is really great. I'm so I excited ordered the long sleeves. Some new merch. I ordered the long sleeve. I'm super excited for that. I love a good long boy, and like they're so hard to mm-hmm. find. Nobody makes long sleeves. Lame. It's 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 winter. Come on. I people. mean, it's a little bit more like it costs a little more upfront <laughs> to get them made. So I think Fair. that that's why, because there's always like the okay, am I going to get this made, and are people just not going to yeah. buy it? But yeah. I love my fans, and I think they're worth the investment. <laughs> so well, I bought one. My I, I pre-ordered one myself, so I'm super excited. So excited. But Kaya, I think. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I assume Empress is waking up right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. A pug is like a giant. That's going to be the outro right now is Empress. Yes. Oh God. Tongue action. (laughs) I now Kaya, thank you so much again for joining me and Empress. Thank you so much for our little cameo here at the end. Thank you for waking up and gracing us with your presence. (laughs) See, you are appreciated. You have all of these people wanting to worship you. Yeah, I mean, you're even kind of a part of a little design, which is one of my favorite shirts, by the way, is the pug and the moons and all that. It's one of my favorite things, by the way. I, I, wore, like, I wore that to Dallas, actually. I love. I have one of those and I wear it all the time. I, wear I my love it. Merch. I, mean, I wear my own merch. It's no a shame. great design. It's honestly one of my favorites oh. ever. But Empress, thank you so much. You Kaya. stuck in my sweater. <laughs> stuck in my sweater. There we go. There's your parting. There you go, Kaya. Thank you so much again. Thank you.